Hello, classmates. Welcome to another episode of Middle Class Film Class Movie Review Edition. I'm your host for today, Pete. I'm Joseph. And I'm Tyler. And today we're reviewing a listener pick from listener Dallas, Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. An act of war will cripple them. With basic repairs, we can get home as we are. We're not going home. The power of nature will threaten them. Our enemy has more than twice our guns, more than twice our numbers, and we are supposed to stop them. Torn between fulfilling his duty... Captain's not called Lucky Jack for no reason. ...and the lives of the men he commands... Steady! ...he must face the invincible. A hunter becomes the hunted. Well then, there's not a moment to lose. When we board, you'll take him out of the ship. Take him out of the ship. Thank you, sir. And for the prize! Stay off to us. Let's fly! Wow. What an action-packed trailer. I'm say it's a bombastic trailer. Mm-hmm. It is. And the movie is, uh, I think, pretty pretty close to that. It's a impressive war, I guess, naval war. Naval war epic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was asking Brianna to watch it with me and she's like, I'm not a war movie. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's not a war movie. It's a it's a pirate movie, but they're like sort of. hired pirates. Yeah. They're like military pirates. Yeah. Hired pirates was my Imagine Dragons cover band in high so school. So like uh <laughs> so mercenaries? No, they work they're the they're they, na- they they're are navy. military, yeah. It's the navy. It's the British navy. Oh, yes. Yes. So yeah, so they're, I thought you're talking about the antagonist. Uh those are those French are French. Na- French navy. <clears throat> oh, okay. It's Napoleon's goons. So so Master and Commander on the far side or I I keep wanting to call it on the far side of the world. It's Master and Commander colon the far side of the world. Yeah. From 2013 rated PG-13. 13, which I thought was a little bit of a detriment to you it. Mean 2003? No, it's no, it's it's from two thousand three. It's rated PG thirteen. Oh, yeah. okay. you said two thousand thirteen. Uh, my my mistake. Rated yeah. PG three. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> PG three. Um, it clocks in at a brisk two hours and eighteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Directed by Peter Weir, written the, based off of the novel by Patrick O'Brien. Uh, screenplay written by Peter Weir and John Cawley. This is starring Russell Crowe as the captain, Lucky Jack Aubrey, Paul Bettany as the doctor. Uh, Billy Boyd is basically like the the guy that steers the ship. Yeah. James Darcy, Edward Woodall, uh, Chris Larkin, Max Perkis, a bunch of people you've probably never seen before and a couple people that looked kind of familiar. Mm. Uh, a scurvy group of men. And uh, this is the plot synopsis. During the Napoleonic Wars, a brash British captain pushes his ship and crew to their limits in pursuit of a formidable French war vessel around South America. So... It's period piece. It's a naval piece. It is a war piece a little bit. Yeah. And for me, I considered it kind of just like a slice of life of a very specific life. Yes. Yes. So um, this is from listener submitted by listener Dallas uh, back in May of 2021. So thank you so much, Dallas, for bearing with us while we wait to get to that. This is one of our oldest picks. And Dallas wrote or actually called in and left us a nice voicemail. So I'm going to play that right now. Hey, fellas, it's Dallas. Um, You landed on my pick, Master and Commander. So reason I picked this movie is because I think it somehow does two things equally well that don't seem to mesh with each other. One is just huge, bombastic 
cinematic filmmaking with things you'd only see in a movie, these giant boats, giant explosions, everything. And on the other hand, just this crazy, realistic, immersing detail of the boat where it almost feels as if it's a documentary. So it feels so real, but also just so grand at the same time. I think it's an amazing combination. Plus, Paul Bettany's character in this is one of my favorite in all movies. And I think the relationship he has with Russell Crowe's character is just this fantastic, complex relationship that you don't often see in films, especially between two guys. Anyways, thank you so much. That was wonderful. Thanks for, for leaving that voicemail, Dallas. And um, I guess we'll get into it and figure out if we all agreed with that or uh, how we thought about it in, uh, right now. So, Joseph, what's your initial thoughts? Uh, my initial thoughts on this movie is that I... Well, first, I remember when this movie was coming out back in 2003, right? Yeah. I remember like seeing the poster for it. I don't think I ever saw a trailer for it, but I remember seeing the poster for it. I remember it being a thing. Yeah. And I remember thinking that like, that like, oh, that looks not interesting to me at the time because sure. I was like 11. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, my dad's going to love this. Yeah. I think my brother, my oldest brother was like excited for this movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I mean, I don't know particularly why. I just remember him talking, like him talking about it um, and wanting to go see it. And um, so that was, that's my like, when this movie came out, that was my uh, view on it. Uh, but now actually finally having watching it, and it not being like a four-hour naval documentary uh, <laughs> is actually just a run-of-the-mill sort of military epic that yeah. is two hours long. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I think there are some like pretty slow parts in between all the action, but I don't think they are unjustified in in that because there's a lot of relationship building between all the crewmates and mm-hmm. cast members uh <laughs> of everybody on board um and there's a lot of people on board of, of that ship like yeah I, a I, lot i'm like oh my god there's so many people underneath that i don't even know but um there's a lot of like rapport that you're seeing that's like already been established but now you're like sort of playing catch up and the movie starts like you're art like there's no like all right Get on board the ship, everybody. We're about to set sail. Yeah, it's already it's already <laughs> in, in progress. Yeah. They're already like in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, Which, it's like seconds before a battle. Yeah, it's like the opening sequence is like this this battle, and it introduces you to, I guess, the main villain and the main driving point of the mm-hmm. whole movie mm-hmm. um, of the plot. And, it's a phantom ship, <laughs> and um, which is cool. It just kind of throws you in, and you're just kind of playing catch up for a little bit, and. Uh, and I like I like that I like the thing it worked a lot for this movie. Um, I liked Russell Crowe's character. He he wasn't like he never became like an unlikable person. There was like a moment where Paul Bettany is that person where it's like trying to instill the rationality. Yeah. Like like at what cost? You know, at what cost are you gonna like keep following this ship? Yeah. Right. Um, and he is like at any cost. We are like at we are We're his tool of war. Yeah, we are his character. The the viewers, the audience is Paul Bettany or sympathizing with Paul Bettany yeah. and mm-hmm. his point of view. While Russell Crowe is like sort of following orders in a sense, but he's like he is like the definition of like a leader. Yeah, in this in, on the ship. But um, 
Yeah, I, and, I, and as Dallas said, I agree with his uh, statement of the perfect blend because it was a very epic. It was like Pirates of the Caribbean, but in real life. Yeah. You know, and then it also had like this sort of historically accurate maritime, uh, I guess, historically accurate maritime things, naval naval uh, protocols and how things work on a ship. Mm-hmm. Um, I do wonder how... No, they got fucked up in the beginning of this movie, like real mm-hmm. bad. Yeah, and like they are basically sinking. It takes like two weeks of them just sailing around away from yeah. them to scrapple their boat back together. And I'm like, how? How did they do that? How do you recover a ship like that from almost sinking? And then also, they don't really show. Other than that scene, they, I feel like it gets also gets fucked up in other scenes as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you don't really see the damage a whole lot, you know. It's like, oh, it just looks like it's functioning again. Because I feel like the mast or whatever definitely fell into the water. the Like the rear mast. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> they had to re- retrieve it, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is crazy. But you don't see that sequence. It's just kind of like they have the, they got their health bar, you know, went back up. And <laughs> they <laughs> it did. It just recovers over time. They repaired it just by, like, hammering something. <laughs> um, I like that there was one particular guy dedicated just to recarving the mermaid on the front. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's I, all he did was that. And he's talking to her. Don't worry. We'll get you back up and good in no time. Yeah. I had a problem with that. But, <laughs> like, um, but overall, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought, like, I, it didn't get me, like, emotional or anything, but I could see, like, there was, I did feel like for the characters and especially like um, the side characters that I don't know, ultimately don't make it. And there's a, there's a couple scenes that I can think of top of my head. And I was like, Oh, I've never actually seen that on film before, mm. which was like the amputation scene in the beginning with the kid. Mm. Yeah. And then the self surgery um, was kind of crazy. Um, yeah, the brain surgery. I had the brain surgery too. Yeah. Um, but it was like, it was, it was it was really cool. There's some things that I, those are like two things that I really haven't seen on screen before, and I think they did them really well. Um, and uh, yeah, overall, I, I I liked it quite a bit. Awesome, uh, Tyler, first watch for you. Yeah. So um, much like what Joseph said, when it first came out, I was kind of under the impression that it was going to be like this boring historic movie um kind of like uh what's that sub movie uh hunt for red october no 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 not das that boot. one no not das boot it was submarine a submarine movie yeah it's Down like periscope. U571 yes it was that one under I siege was, that, was, no. that was the last line of the seinfeld finale <laughs> i'll always loved you 571 it's yeah. a great movie yeah <laughs> um so i was under the impression there was going to be something of that nature um but just right off the bat, like I was stressed, like this movie stressed me out. Like mm-hmm. I should have like read my heart rating every time, like <laughs> when I started the movie, because as soon as it happened, I was one, I was thinking, okay, so these are Eng- English men yeah. who are in Brazil, essentially. At some um, point. Yeah. They're going around South America. Yeah. But they're like basically so far away from home like if something bad happens like they can't just like go back because they're in this old wooden ship um so i was already stressed name diversity (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so i was already really stressed out from that idea and the whole uh action sequence of them getting like fucked up from this uh this uh, other french uh ship uh and I uh, 
I agree with you about it being PG-13 being a detriment because I feel like some of those deaths that occurred in the beginning of the movie would have been a lot more brutal had it had an R rating. Um, but I think this is kind of like one of those movies they show like in high school, like, at you know, it's it's June. They have a couple weeks uh, until school gets out and the mm-hmm. teacher just doesn't give a shit. And it's like, yeah, let's put on Master and Commander. <laughs> However, I think this movie has a lot more of a psychological twist than it's portrayed in the trailer. Um, just dealing with isolation dealing with a questionable uh, moral ethic of the captain, Russell Crowe. And also, I wish uh, this movie would have uh, explored more of like dwindling supplies mm. because it felt like there was just like an unlimited supplies. Oh, we have lumber to fix the ship. Oh, like there, there's no water uh, concern or anything like that. Um, however, the emotional... Uh, trials that all the crew members go through and you can really feel it uh through uh, the great acting of uh, all everyone involved uh i just feel like there should have been a little bit more of a practicality uh trial that they went through i mean i know they the ship went through a lot of damage and stuff like that but like water is a huge thing when you're out in the middle of the ocean uh scurvy and um food Mm -hmm. so i i wish they explored that a little bit further because i feel like they were going that way but they they didn't have enough time because it's a movie well this is the first movie of what was intended to be a series oh and i wouldn't be surprised if maybe the second one spent more time showing that along with um more characters more development and whatnot I'm curious about the book too. I bet you the book goes into detail about that oh, because probably. when I was watch like throughout this whole movie while I was watching, it, I was like, "Man, I want to check out this book." Like it seems like it probably be a good book, and then like compare it to the adaptation onto film, and I think it'd probably be like as accurate as uh, like Lord of the Rings. Mm. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed myself. It was pretty long like i feel like it could have been cut into two parts but i liked it i liked it a lot i like how you say it's a little little too long but you want more than a minutiae how they fix the ship yeah i mean if it was like a (laughs) maybe like a hbo miniseries like uh what's what's that one that uh paul giamatti is uh, part of uh, I can't I think about it. He, he played like a former president. He was like the third president or something. Like I've that. only ever seen him in House of Gucci. <laughs> Big fat liar. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That wasn't that wasn't Paul Giamatti. That was uh, Jared Leto. Yeah. All right. So Master Commander, first time watch for me as well. I um, yeah, I really like this. It was great. It was yeah. And this is the type of movie that I could see myself watching when I was a junior in high school when it came out. Because I'm a sucker for stuff like Gladiator, the sand and sword epics or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call them. I, I like that sort of stylized period action dramas. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I really like seeing the interesting sets and the way that people spoke with each other. And I was very happy that there was a lot of like scurvy sailor talk in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a movie you should 100% have subtitles on in, in its entirety. 
because there was so many commands that they were giving in the back that was like, oh, that's interesting. Odd a lot. Yeah. Odd a lot. Yeah, I was like, so, what? So much. Yeah. In, in your, even just the like interactions between the two of them. Uh, Heave. Yeah. It was like, uh, give it all you got for lucky Jack boys. And uh, a lot of very interesting nomenclature that was of that era that I'm assuming is accurate. Seemed right. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't know any better. <laughs> Fooled me. Yeah. <laughs> so the 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 beauty of the movie on a production scale is just that it. I don't know if they actually built an entire boat for this, mm-hmm. but damn, did it seem like they they built this boat to scale. <clears throat> I mean, I wouldn't. I think, these there were replicas of replicas. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be. Sorry, I wouldn't I be surprised either because the director of this movie did the Truman Show, mm-hmm. and that was a pretty. It seemed, well, seemingly, it seemed like a big set. Yeah, well, the the thing that probably stuck out to me early in the movie was when you see a stylized pirate movie like, um, let's just say, Pirates of the Caribbean. Sure. Fun adventure, stylized pirate movie. Yeah. You don't see that many ropes on the deck. Hmm. It's like, it's more, yeah. this is a set that's built for us to film in and we have a lot of space space to play with and it's like okay most of the ropes are up on the mast way up high yeah in this one it was like every fucking turn had like a thousand ropes spinning in different directions and over here and over there and all this stuff and it was it was really impressive because it's like that's that doesn't necessarily make for a conducive filming environment but it was i'm sure more accurate that way um seeing seeing the different layers and the levels of the of like the hierarchy in the military was interesting too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, there's the one character that is, um, he's, uh, he's in command, but you see from the very first scene of the movie that he just, he doesn't have the balls to take command. Yeah. He's the watchman on the quarter watchman on, on duty or whatever. Yeah. He's the first one who uh, spots the <clears throat> quote unquote phantom yeah. ship. Yeah, exactly. And his uh, whole storyline was really interesting. It doesn't focus on him a lot, but you see, almost how the the underlings don't appreciate him they're all singing a nice uh jolly tune and he yeah. he starts singing along with them with his like kind of like wafy voice yeah and they all stop and they, everybody just stops and they sing a different tune and you're like Man, poor guy yeah he's just trying to be one of the guys it's like you yeah. maybe you can't be one of the guys he's maybe. a dweeb shouldn't have been so much of a dweeb i know don't be a nerd straight up dork yeah, yeah but that kind of also <laughs> comments on like like how you shouldn't you know I mean, he didn't do anything egregious. Like he, he wasn't, just was he wasn't insecure. commanding respect. He was just insecure. Yeah, but if you're in a leadership capacity and you can't make the simple decision to say, "I saw a ship, everybody get ready for a battle," you shouldn't be in that leadership position. True. Making the decision at that time could not, or I should say, not making that decision could cost lives. Yeah, it could men. be life or death. So, okay, I, I get what so, you're saying. I mean, that that was just one of the complex relationships that was uh, touched on through all of the slow times yeah. a big ass battle and a bunch of life as a sailor yeah so yeah. those relationships were very interesting to me none of the time i was bored brianna even looked at me at we had 20 minutes left in the movie and she's You're not asleep right she goes i can't believe it you're like wide awake like sitting here <laughs> upright not fighting sleep and i'm like this movie's uh legit it's awesome yeah, yeah. it's got me and i was thinking we got 25 minutes left of the movie they're right about to get up onto the battle, under the the and Enoch or Enoch or whatever it's called. Yeah, what do they call it? Anakin, Arsherin. I 
I can't remember. Ac- Acheron. Acheron. That's yeah. what it was. And Anakin. Yeah. <laughs> and and I was like, oh, the fuck, they're going, they're going to board. They're doing this whole subterfuge thing, or yeah. they're p- posing as whalers and stuff. And I was just wait, waiting for that boarding a battle. And I was thinking, man, we got twenty five minutes. That's going to be a hell of a battle. And it was. Oh yeah. It was. So I'm really enjoyed myself watching this. I'm kind of upset I didn't watch it before, and I feel like this is one I can rewatch again and again. I feel the exact same way. After I was done watching the movie, I was like, I could watch this again. Like no, maybe I'm, not like a, like immediately after, but like I figured like maybe if I had like a day off or something like that, put on Master and Commander and just you know get a bag of chips, <laughs> sea salt and vinegar. That's oh, I also drank rum while I was watching it. Oh, I had a okay. rum and coke while I was watching it. Me too. I was oh, like, nice. I was like, he says something about you get an extra ration of rum. I'm like. I'm going to go get myself some rum. Yeah, those yeah. two teenage boys uh, built the model of the ship that they're chasing. Yeah, that's it. So they could find the weaknesses. And that was a little uh, much. I got, It was a little bit of a stretch on that, on that guy's end. Well, I mean, I agree with you, but the way I rationalized it was it probably was not super accurate. It was probably like... Close enough, like close. Yeah, exactly. It I was think, close enough. I was thinking about that too, and then I was thinking, people in that era, a lot of times you would just have like this one thing that you do. Also, people were a lot more gullible probably back then. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I think I feel like a, a young kid who just happens to build model ships for fun mm-hmm. and happened to see this ship. Day after day after day, visiting the port with his cousin. Or he whatever. was there. He was. He saw it in Boston. He was getting married, and yeah. he he got the sizes, and scaled it down perfectly. And here's exact <laughs> replica of that ship. Here you go. I, I, I did think it was kind of funny how Russell Crowe looks at it and goes, "Ah, oh, yes, longer st- longer bow or whatever. Uh, much heavier, but must must go faster. Allows like, it to go faster. It's like, are you? You just know that by looking at the thing. If, you, if that's the case, why didn't you suggest we do that earlier? To our boat, mm. is that the to, whole construction well, then, of the boat, though? Yeah, and then and then he yeah. and then he says the line while he's uh, analyzing the the model. He's just like, "What a modern era we're living in." Yeah, I laughed. Hard, <laughs> I laughed heartily at that. What a modern technological era we're in. Yes. Wow. What will they think of next? <laughs> I know, sliced bread, maybe. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um. So this was directed by Peter Weir, Joseph, or Tyler mentioned it earlier, who's got a, an interesting pedigree leading up to this. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> he directed a Dead Poet Society. Yes, really cool. The Truman Show, and then Master and Commander in the Far Side of the World. Um, the only thing he's done really since then, it was a standalone movie, was called The Way Back in two thousand ten. Mm. Sounds familiar. It's um, it's a um, kind of like a I don't really know specifically. Jim Sturgis is in it. Ed Harris, Colin Farrell. Um, I thought it was The Way Way Back that. The other one, yeah, the kids one. With, yeah, the water, the water park. Yeah, the water park and Steve Carell's. It's on asshole. the fan list. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting, kind of a weird pedigree. But the cinematographer, um, for this was also, or the writer for this was also the writer for Happy Feet. Oh, which is an interesting, uh, oh, non-parallel. <laughs> um, and then the cinematographer is uh, Russell Boyd, who has done an even more interesting. Um, collection of movies white men can't jump forever young that mel gibson movie where he gets thawed out 50 years later oh <laughs> it's basically like blast from the past but it's a drama uh tin cup liar liar 
Dr. Doolittle with Eddie Murphy. Um, and then Master and the Commander on the Far Side of the World went to some serious stuff. And then right back to Ghost Rider. <laughs> Ghost Rider. <laughs> Ghost Rider. Yeah. Well, Ghost Rider was really well shot. So. Wait, not the Ghost Rider, but Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider with uh, Nicolas Cage. Okay. In the 2013 yeah. comic book adaptation. So interesting stuff. But Russell Boyd won Best Cinematography for this movie in the Academy Awards that year. Uh, uh, I can think of one shot that really stood out to me in this movie is... I think it's in the beginning of the movie, um, like you were saying how there's like a bunch of ropes, uh, which I'm pretty sure is historically accurate, but they do this like uh, from the ground up shot where they're showing like the sailors like climbing up to the mast, but oh, through yeah. the ropes. Yeah, yeah. I really, really like that. I think that was a shift change. Mm. They're ringing the bell. Oh, yeah. The, some of the yeah. guys are going up and some of the guys are going down. It's like, this is great. Yeah. It's really, really beautiful to watch. And uh, man, ever since I watched The Lighthouse, I've just been super enamored with like this whole like old timey like uh, seafaring life. Seafaring life, yeah. Interesting. Exactly. It won best cinematography, but it was like and best sound editing. I I mean I I didn't. It was good, but I didn't find anything like super good about it. But I also have not seen City of God. Cold Mountain Girl with a Pearl Earring or Sea Biscuit. So Ooh, I, Sea I, Biscuit. That's a I that's d- that Toby Maguire flick. I don't right? know what it was up against. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and it. How was uh, Return of the King not nominated for Best Cinematography? Yeah, well, Return of the Kings took everything else. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you can rest assured that it got every other opportunity. They plundered except those the, awards except the one that mattered. <laughs> the one that got away yeah it was it was nominated so master and commander was nominated for a best picture best director a 10 oscars in total it won for cinematography and sound editing and the mm. re- it's literally this is from the wikipedia article it says the rest of the categories were swept by return of the king yep <laughs> they plundered those awards um rightfully there, so there is a prequel in production for this movie oh really oh. yes it is a uh, it is announced last year in 2021 it's a literary, dramatic, or cinematic work. Uh, oh, never mind. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was it was announced in 2021 for basically right up to this. And I, I, the only th- th- question that I really have is that is Lucky Jack going to be in this or is this just another period drama that attaches the name to it? Or it, if you recall, while they were all dining in the, in the ship and yeah. they were asking about his former captain... Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember the name. They're just like, uh, can you give us an anecdote of your of the captain? And then he does. So maybe it's going to be a young Lucky Jack. Yeah, under- that's, that's what I mean. Is it going to be Lucky Jack, or is it just going to be another of the British military? Oh, okay. I the, see. the British Navy, and then just attach the name to it, just like they attached fucking Uncharted to the, some generic un- yeah. adventure movie. So. I would like a prequel to Lucky Jack and. Understand why he's so lucky. I think we should do a simple Jack Lucky Jack hybrid. <laughs> simple Jack. There's two Jacks. One of them, <laughs> they're brothers. Yeah. It's a buddy comedy directed yeah. by the Fairly Brothers. It's called Two Jacks. <laughs> two Jacks. No, it's called Two Jack City. <laughs> um. Yeah. I. I really. I. I think the cinematography on the, uh, on Master and Commander and Return of the King, I don't know. I feel like they're on par with each other. Like it's it was either one or the other. 
you know, and here's just something interesting. I just read that the movie is a combination of two novels uh, yes. ri- written by the same guy. I read that. And it's, you know oh. what the names of the novels are, Tyler? Uh, no, I do not. It's Master and Commander and The Far Side of the World. Oh, so Those the, are the second, two. so the second book is called The, the Far, Far Side, Side of, of the, the World. World. Yeah. Oh man, I gotta check them out. <laughs> I gotta check them out because, like, I bet you they go into detail about the harrowing experience that is being. And, and I think uh, most likely, if it's a book, yeah, you're probably you're gonna, gonna find get, more detail. Oh yeah, yeah, you're gonna get a lot. Just in general, a lot. Yeah. Well, I I know that. <laughs> I mean, and why are you saying it? Because it, we it, all for the know. sake of the conversation, we're recording a show. You know, but um, oh, you know, it's hot out. <laughs> um. So they've been on the sea for they've been on that boat for two years, um, mm. and I just can't even imagine. And I think uh, the doctor even says he's just like, "This is like a wooden prison." Yeah. Uh, after the um, sea the, life is not for me. After I, after the suggestion that uh, uh, the the first mate. I think he's told to the captain Russell Crowe's character. He was like, yeah, we should turn back. It was, I think, oh, it was after their um, ship got damaged once. And they're yeah. just like, yeah, we got to turn back and get to port because we can't fix this. And he's just like, make it work. Um, and just like, oh, the, uh, the young kid who gets his arm amputated early in the movie, he bre- yeah. breaks his arm. Just a broken arm, sir. And then later on, it turns into something much worse. That that it, scene, there's like was, wood splinters coming out of his arm too. Was really well done. It was cringe-inducing. Yeah, because yeah. um, the kid portrayed whatever pain going through. I think pretty well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think he was a then, little bit too tame. And then the sound effects, the very subtle sound effects. Yeah, that was good. Um, but yeah, the seeing the anguish and pain in that kid's face was very like. Literally bending yeah. that leather strap in half because, like, you can see the like the initial like cut into the into the flesh, and then he brings out the bigger knife, bone, and, the bone yeah. saw, the bone bone saw, and yeah. uh, God, that was that was rough. Well, uh, you know, that character, he's he remains on the ship. He doesn't die, um, which is great because he has this whole conversation with his other young friend, who and he goes up in rank too. He's uh, tells him, "I heard when you die, they sew you up in your." in your hammock and they put the last stitch through your nose yeah, just to make sure you're not asleep. He said, don't let them stitch my nose. And the next, it literally smash cut to him laying on the surgery table. And I thought he was dead. Yeah. Ah, that poor kid. He almost made it. But anyways, he comes back later in the movie and plays a pretty pivotal role. Yeah. He wants to be part of the, in in the final battle where they're going to board the French vessel, finally catch up to the French vessel. Uh, The whole catching up thing didn't really do much for me. Because I don't understand how sails work anyways. <laughs> yeah. The wind's going that way, but somehow we can go a different direction. Yeah, they were saying... Like, I don't get it. Yeah, we have to go around the wind. I was under the under. I was under the impression that wind is like everywhere. I was under the impression that wind was everywhere. Yeah, that's what God teaches us. That's actually the very major plot point in the happening. They have to outrun the wind. Um, but no, in, he's, he's going to be stay back in this uh, boarding of the French ship. Yeah. And he doesn't want to. He wants to be part of the the attack crew. Yeah. And uh, Ca- Captain Jack comes to him and says, uh, no, 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 you're not, you're not. He's like, I was, I was, I wanted to come, you know, be part of the mutiny or what not mutiny of the attack. And he says, no, you're going to be, stay back behind and you're going to take command of this ship in my absence. So he basically 
I yeah. feel like that was a little bit glib because it's kind of like, well, no one's going to be in the ship anyway. Let the fucking kid be the captain. Who cares? You know, yeah. He'll shut up. <laughs> so, but then once it actually, the battle is in place, he has the few people that are left behind. And I think other, the Frenchmen are coming onto their ship or something like that. And he says, arm yourself, lads, tally ho. And he like, yeah. he's like, follow me. And he leads their, that second wave of rebellion onto the French ship. And at that point, and he's got the one arm with the sleeve sewed up. Yep. Fucking kid has no fear. And oh I, yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is instantly ranked to the top of my badass children, uh, characters in movies. He was more man than the man who, uh, took his own life. After uh, everyone thought he was cursed, he got, he got cyber bullied in real life to death. He, <laughs> he got Jonahed. Yeah, he took a cannonball and then then just jumped off the ship. And I was just like, dude, come on! Like, they, before the scene where he t- takes his own life, mm-hmm. um, he goes to or um, he. Hold on, let me let me start this over. So, uh, they don't respect him, and they think he's the cause of death to one of their crewmates that fell off overboard. But they don't think that he's the cause of death for just that guy. They think that he's a bad omen to the entire ship. I think he's a Jonah. Yeah, he's a Jonah. Yeah, because the old man said so in the gallows. And he knows. And the guy who had brain surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Trust the guy with brain damage. <laughs> the guy with, he can barely speak a sentence. He's only speaking in uh, biblical scripture. He was like the great grandfather of um, uh, Thomas Wigg. Yeah, like he's like the the salty old sea dog from another a generation or five prior. Yeah, so um, he gets disrespected in front of Russell Crowe, and he, he shoulder checks him. Yeah, shoulder one, checks one of the him. one of the young guys shoulder checks. Yeah, the, and the then that guy gets sent to the and brig, then, and then Captain Fuck. Jack immediately was just like twelve lashings, sent uh, put him in iron shackles, and then takes him aside and it's like, okay, like you know you're. I think it was like first lieutenant or something like that. You need to, you know, be a leader. Like you can't let these people like walk over you, walk all over you. And um, I think he took that as I'm not up for the job. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to kill myself. Yeah. He kind of was like, told him you're almost 30, bro. I know. Get your shit together. I really. Did uh, you take offense to that? I kind of did. I kind of (laughs) did. I was just like, oh man. Yeah, but back then, thirty is like sixty. I don't want, I don't want to pull the curtain back too much. But Pete, one time, he uh, took me aside and he was just like, "You're almost thirty years old. What are you doing with your life?" Did I? And then, and then he <laughs> struck me. Oh, I remember that part. Yeah. <laughs> Backhanded you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kid, of course. Uh, but I, I really like that ass uh, that character development. I felt really bad for him. He seemed like a nice guy. He should have just relinquished his um, leadership role. It was too nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, too I don't soft. Know. I I just feel like is if I the answer. If I had Captain Jack give me that speech, like I would have definitely like laced up and put myself together, held my head and shoulders high, and um, really like become like a leader. Like because Captain Lucky Captain Jack, he's a really inspirational guy. Like yeah, he kind of has a questionable uh, ethics on how he uh, runs his ship. But at the end of the day, he almost seems heroic. Yeah. I mean, he's a general. So the, the, the reality of a military life is that you have you, to look up to someone. Well, not, that's not what I'm, that's not oh. where I'm going. Oh, 
what the reality of a military life, especially in active war, in deployment, is you are you have to be willing to give your life for the cause. Right. So if the reason why these people are telling him to turn around is because more people will die, then he has to ignore that because mm. his job is to say, yes, I know, we're still going. Yeah. We're going to be, yeah, there's probably half of us are going to die. And your point is what? Are you, are you, did you forget why you're here? You know, yeah. the, our mission is our mission. So I get where he's coming from with that. It's different though. If you look at a, like a failure to lose scenario or a failure to win scenario, like you cannot win going into this battle, but we're going to do it anyways. And the outcome will be literally no effect. Right. Which is essentially the plot of paths of glory. Uh, old uh, Kubrick movie from way, way, way back when. And it's like, you're going to take this military operation. And yes, we know you're all going to die, but you got to do it anyways. It's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Just like Shrek. Thank you, Lord Farquaad. Um, <laughs> did you guys uh, agree with the omission of chasing this ship? The what? The omission? No, I said the, the, mission? Uh, the mission of chasing oh. this ship. That's kind of the point of naval battles, right? You find the ship, you go after it, you sink it, right? Yeah, but what else is there? The, the, there is a scene in this movie where the mission for Russell for Captain Jack was to get to the coast, not to chase this ship. According to who? The mission according to who? To the the military, whoever he was taking orders from. Who's he taking orders from? Uh, how do they get your there? majesty? How do majesty? I think the, <laughs> their majesty. I, I, I yeah, I think I think king? Their, I think their mission always was. Basically, just to protect their waters. I don't think oh, was was okay. there ever a time when they said you have direct orders from Her Majesty the Queen to you know shore up here and get supplies. From my understanding, um, when the Doctor and Captain Jack were talking, and he's like, "Am I talking to you as a captain, or am I talking to you as a friend?" When there was that like yeah. dilemma, mm-hmm. um, so he I tells th- him that you're you're broaching on a foolish a fool's errand. Yeah, right. Because I think that what. Captain Jack says was that his mission was to go to these waters, not to chase this ship. I see. So he's he's letting his hubris get in the way. Like I can catch that fast ship. Yeah, and I'm gonna think it. Yeah, yeah, because he says something mm. along the lines of I don't think, um, I don't think it bothers me. It, they they attacked him, right? But they also had the option to tete a tete. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Very much so. <laughs> I just feel like um, the doctor had a, and like Joseph said in the beginning, uh, in his initial thoughts, like we, the audience, are the doctor because we're trying to think logically and not try to go after what this we big, would do. Yeah. What I want to do is hang out with those fucking tortoises on the Galapagos Islands. I know. As soon as I, I got to that point, I was like, oh. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm over here. Is you know, antsy, my pantsy. I told Brianna, if they don't show a, a turtle here, I'm turning this. It's crazy. Movie they showed off. many. This was the the first movie to film on the Galapagos Islands. Yeah, yeah it was. And really? For, yeah. And I, for some reason, I when I picture, imagine the Galapagos, I imagine something totally different. Oh, really? I imagine something like I did not realize more that, tropical that they were that big. Mm, I see. I thought I was like, oh, just like a like maybe like. 10 feet worth of sand, <laughs> you know, like a very, very small Island. Like it's oh. more, that, that is more like jungly, but yeah. it is a lot more deserty and dry, um, than I had imagined. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I, when they said, Oh, we finally made it to the Galapagos islands. And then it was just like this, like barren land with like iguanas and like flightless birds. Yeah. I they, was like, Oh, that's what it is. 
in the real Galapagos Islands, there's just giant herds of turtles that just hang out with each other in like swamps yeah. and shit. And in um, in Madagascar, that's where the cousin species to the Galapagos tortoise yeah. is, the Aldabra. And there's hundreds of thousands of them there. And Holy shit. What's crazy about this movie is that um, it it reminded me a lot of another movie that called The Pirates Band of Misfits, hmm. which is a Aardman animation stop motion oh interesting movie never heard of that with hugh grant and um that movie it seems just like a comedy parody version of this movie interesting mm. it's not exactly the same plot or anything basically the plot of that movie is that there's a pirate who his name is pirate captain and his goal of the movie is to become pir- to win the pirate of the year award <laughs> and there's a character named charles darwin who is played by uh I can't remember who plays him, but um, what was funny is that the pirate captain obviously is is Russell Crowe, yeah, and then Charles Darwin is the doctor, Paul Bettany's character, yeah. So like when they, it becomes very that's weird. The parallel becomes very um, the parallels happen when they get to the Galapagos, and Paul Bettany is like, oh my god, there's so many species here of cormorants, and well, maybe it's a flightless bird, and like there's a there's a there's an iguana. Iguanas don't swim. This one does, mm. and, and it's like um, I'll be damned. It's David Tennant is Charles Darwin. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, that when when they get there, and even Paul Bettany's character looks like Charles Darwin's character in this animated oh, movie. Oh, this one. That's where the meme is from. Yeah. Yes, but actually no. Oh. Yes, but actually no. Um, I had no idea. That's interesting. It's a it's a pretty good movie. Can I tell Can I tell you guys my the most stressful moment of this film? Yeah. Um, it was when the guy went overboard. And they have to cut down. The, they have to decide. Yeah, they had to decide to cut down the mast because it was sinking the ship. And the guy is like desperately trying to swim to the ship. They're like, swim, swim. And he's, he's almost like, got it, lads. And like the waters are choppy because I think it's uh, the the cape that they're. Well, just um, it's just a, it's a nasty storm they're in, and yeah. they're instead of just like battening down and just taking on the storm and everyone being safe, they're still attacking. They're still chasing. Um, yeah. But um, that, yeah, that's that was really interesting because he essentially he's making the decision to save one ma- one man versus kill everybody else, pull the whole ship down. It's like that's a no brainer. Yeah, and it's a trolley situation. Again. No, I, yeah, I, exactly. No, I know, I know exactly what they're referring to. It's uh, Cape Horn, which is in the southernmost uh, point of South America, which is the like the worst waters mm. to uh, traverse in, and. That's why, because you can take um, uh, trips to uh, uh, the South Antarctica. Not, not, is it South Antarctica? Antarctica is in the South, yeah. Okay, so you can take trips to the South Southern region of Antarctica, but they say that there is a chance that you might perish because of how bad the waters are. And they did say we're at the Cape or something like that. Oh, interesting. And so, so it's just historically a really rough area to sail yeah. through. And so just seeing that guy like just being pulverized through all these waves and like the storm is, oh man. And like, no thanks. And Captain Jack, Captain Jack was like, we got to throw him something that he can float on. And they're just like, we got, we don't have anything. And none of those things were said. (laughs) I'm paraphrasing. Um, No, they they do say, uh, throw everything overboard that floats. 
yes, the barrels, that's what, throw that's all that stuff. Yeah, up. that's what it was. That's yeah. what it was. And yeah. then, and then his second mate comes to him and said, "We need a gun for you. The mast is pulling us down. It's a, it's a, it's a sea anchor. It's and, anchoring us down. Yeah, yeah, and you can see the ship like sinking too. I, I thought that was really well done. And I was very stressed out. Like I was like sitting there and I was like thinking, man, like this guy, like he's not going to drown instantly. Like he's going to be in those waters yeah. for weeks. I was thinking the same thing. Eh, maybe not weeks, but he's probably going to die f- in that storm. It's not from cold. It's getting, yeah, he's going to be out there tossed around for a couple Prob- hours yeah. till he's fully tired and then just drown. Yeah. It, that, that, he could just go down like the guy with the cannonball. <laughs> I was thinking about that when he, but, does, when he does jump overboard with the cannonball, I was like, that's probably the most surefire way, albeit terrifying way. I mean, I don't to know. To kill yourself at sea. Because, like, not only are you drowning, but you're also sinking. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. You, yeah, you'll get to the... It's a darkness. You'll get so far down to the point where you run out of breath, and then you let go of the ball that there's no never going to be enough time for you to get back up again. Yeah. So you're sure to drown, but yeah, I don't... I mean, I don't know I if... I don't you, like going underwater that far. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you guys ever experienced almost drowning before. Yes. But, yeah, I... Uh, I would not want to go that way. No, me neither. Like, because... There's something in your brain that starts panicking. Like it's literally flight or fight mode, like in the most truest sense that you can think of. And I I couldn't do it. Like I I could not do it. Do what? You said you said that you like a uh, drown? Yeah, well, no, like kill myself by drowning. That's oh, what I, I see. that's what I meant. Well, I hope you couldn't kill yourself by drowning. I couldn't. Like my body physically would if I was going to kill myself, I'd hold my breath. I could, pass I could, out. I could do it. You nope. Pa- you, okay. <laughs> I, have the, I have the fortitude. <laughs> I wouldn't pass out. Yeah, I li- I'd I, just die. <laughs> I, I literally do not have any instinct in any fiber of my body to uh, take my own life. Like, yeah. I, I, I gotta, I just, I gotta. It's that self preservation. He got, he got, he lived to 250. I got, I got, I gotta live to 250. <laughs> I gotta see, I got, you know what? I gotta I wanna, see what happens. I gotta see what happens. <laughs> I want to live whatever. I want to live through whatever global catastrophe happens. <laughs> That's I want to right. The next one and be like, "That's right." Yeah, you should have seen monkeypox though. Yeah, MX pox. Like, sorry, MXPX. <laughs> you, you remember when the world was 145 degrees? Yeah, yeah that was a child's that was, play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that well, that was rough, but we got. I got through it. Um, some interesting tidbits of trivia uh, from IMDb that um, during filming. All of the cast was separated from the rest of the crew so they could build a real camaraderie. Um, they, oh, nice. They designed, yeah, like special quarters just for them. There was like a gentleman's club. There's no TV. No crew members were allowed in there unless they were invited. It was nicknamed the Monkey Bar. The Monkey Bar. The Monkey Bar, yeah. And uh, they did two weeks of boot camp training to learn about ropes, tying uh, what to do on a frigate. Um, and then 100 days of shooting on land seems like a lot and then 10 days of shooting at sea Mm. and paul bettany was the only uh, crew member that didn't get seasick because he was like a sea cadet as a kid oh so he's used to it so everyone's just like puking around guts out you ever you ever been on a on a like a open water ship where people are puking yes Uh, i've never personally experienced that but i have been on open water i don't get seasick like it just doesn't bother me i don't get seasick what's that supposed to mean (laughs) I don't. How far out were you? I don't know. It was this was a long time ago. Did you see land? It was a lake. (laughs) Could you you see land? It was Lake Tahoe. (laughs) 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 Could you could you see the land? Well, yeah, yeah, I could see the land. Okay, you went that far. Yeah, very different. I 
there's I've, a, I've never okay so okay let me reiterate i've never been on true open water then okay. joseph yeah it's it's very different when you're like offshore fishing or in a on a, like a long-term cruise boat or something and even cruise boats are like they're so big you don't feel the rocking motions nearly as much and if you uh-huh. if it affects you too much you just go to the middle of the ship it doesn't affect you as much but if you're on the front or the back yeah. You can feel the, the tilting like the, back and forth. Yeah. It's like yeah. I'm going to be in the back of a roller coaster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, I went on a, an open uh, offshore fishing up like north of um, the Golden Gate. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was through my work, my old shop I used to work at. And they, oh, I think I remember this. They story. went out ship. Yeah, they went out fishing. I took them out fishing when I was the running that store. And then when I left, they said, hey, we're going to do the fishing trip again. Come out with us. We got an extra, extra couple spots. I said, okay, cool. And one of our guys one of the guys that worked there brought his like brother-in-law and this was, I don't know, March or something like that. 4.30 AM oh. drop off, you know, sh- uh, shove off time. Yeah. This fool chop comes in in a, a hoodie with shorts and flip flops. This Filipino guy uh, named, what was his name? I can't remember him now. And he, <laughs> he has a bottle of Lagavulin, Lagavulin, 18 year single malt scotch in his like pouch of his hoodie sweater. <laughs> and we're like, what are you doing? Do you realize it's cold as fuck and we're going to be out on the water where it's even colder? And he goes, I got my liquid heater right here. <laughs> and he's drinking scotch as we're oh, setting off to the middle of the fucking out of the ocean, bottle. straight out the bottle. We didn't make it an hour before he was puking into the center of the boat. Oh, <laughs> the geez. whole trip, he was on his face puking on off the boat in the boat all over the place and everyone's just like look at this guy i think they do terrible i think terrible they, yeah that sounds awful i think they do show one scene of someone as a, puking yeah, as a kid during, during the storm yeah and that like they are all like sequestered in the bottom of the uh ship and everyone's just like heaving and going can imagine what that the bottom of that deck feels Smel- like the room oh like, i thought you meant smelled well, i mean smelled obviously probably be pretty bad but like I imagine it would feel like when you're when you're waiting in line at Pirates of the Caribbean, but then you get inside the building. Oh, and it gets that <laughs> ink is that like cold, humid feeling. Yeah. It's but it's even probably even worse. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Full time during production, there was two historical advisors on set at any given time. Oh wow. Um, there were interesting things like they do a toast. To the wives and sweethearts, may they never meet. Yeah. Is a traditional toast given Saturdays in the British Royal Navy. Oh, <laughs> wives and sweethearts. Yeah, may they never meet. Mm-hmm. Um, Twenty-seven miles of rope was used on the rigging on the replica rose. Damn. Some of the rope okay. had to be made spe- especially as modern-day rope uh, has a right-hand lay, the direction of the strands where they run, whereas it would have been left-handed in Napoleonic times. Mm. That is really interesting. That yeah. is really strangely inaccurate or not inaccurate accurate <laughs> but unnecessary <laughs> completely <Actually>? unnecessary <laughs> i know there's like one guy that was alive back then and it's like that's backwards <laughs> okay pop pop <laughs> the 1700s right, whatever you say you're backwards rope it's like yeah our, our grandpa is basically like neil degrasse tyson he can't have any fun <laughs> <laughs> um, the stars in the sky you're wrong in the titanic <laughs> so yeah um anything else specifically you guys wanted to um, the, I wanted to bring up the self surgery, Oh yeah, but also like how he gets injured was probably like the stupidest thing ever. Oh yeah. God, that's dumb. I can't believe they didn't punish that guy. I know. Just like, he's just, I know sh- he's just walking around. He's just shooting free. Just shooting that's at, my at a bird. bird. 
He, maybe he was talking about his wang, actually. <laughs> That's my bird. My bird. My bird. Hey, so he's like trying to shoot the bird, and then goes, give me that gun. And then he like he tries to shoot it, but then shoots. he shoots while pointing towards people. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Shoots Paul Bettany. He shot him. And then um, <laughs> he gets you know, shot, shot him in the side. So it wasn't like a super fatal, like it wouldn't have been a fatal injury, but then a piece of his shirt got stuck in his body, yeah, which would then cause an infection. And then which, he, which then would kill him, and he looked like death. Yeah, I know. He was like he looked like he looked like Data. <laughs> <laughs> he had, had the same makeup artist for for his uh, from Star Trek from his, his deathbed. Um, and then they get to the Galapagos. Um, actually, because they were at the Galapagos first, and yeah. then they yeah. and then Captain Jack is like, "Well, we don't have time for your hobbies," and then. They leave. Dick. They go around, and then he comes back. You know, because then he then he has a, it grows. It grows his uh, his heart grows. Uh, well, and, and he thought he was gonna die, so he was like, "Ah, eh, well, let's let's throw him a bone." And so they get to the Galapagos, and then their his like understudy doctor is asked to do the surgery, mm-hmm. but then the guy's like not up to do it. My hands, yeah, will, will be the only ones used. Yes, and so he performs surgery on himself to remove the bullet. Well, and also the and guy didn't even, like, he was like, I got to go study pictures. I got to go and, read books. And, and Captain Jack's like, what? Pictures? Um, so the guy, <laughs> he, so he performs surgery on himself, removes the bullet and removes the shirt, the bit of shirt, and they puts it back together like a little puzzle. Yeah. Uh, but what I wanted to talk about, it reminded me of a true story about a scientist mm-hmm. in Antarctica, a Russian Antarctic uh and a Russian it's surgeon like a substation who was stationed in, in Antarctica uh, by himself. His name was Leonid, uh, Leonid Rogozov, um, or Rogozov. Hmm. And basically what happened is that he got appendicitis and because he was stationed there and the access, there was no like, no one's going to be coming for another yeah. year. Because <laughs> they literally nowhere, no one. And so he was able to detect that he had acute appendicitis really quickly because he had performed the surgery several times. Um, and so he knew all the symptoms. And so he realized, fuck, now I have it. And now he's the only one there. And so he performs the surgery on himself, removing his own appendix. Yeah. Which is that's insane. One of the most insane things that I've that's insane. I, I've heard of. Did they did they have anesthesia at least? Um, um, I, I don't think. I, so. I think uh, because I oh, I was fa- I was fascinated with this story, and I don't. He um, he had to open his own abdomen to take his intestines out. Yeah, and he didn't even know if that was humanly possible. Oh my god. Um, yeah. So like he uh, he did it. I think he did it during a storm too. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so that that's what reminded me a lot of yeah of and even like the that scene was also very cringe inducing, uh, just because the also again the sound, uh, the subtle sound effects and when he finally like removes it it goes, yep, rips the bullet I re- out. I really liked the tag on the end of that whole thing, which was he takes the little scrap of shirt, puts it up to like a puzzle like you're saying yeah, and he goes, do I get everything? And he goes every bit. She'll patch up nice. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, ah, we'll sew it back together. You can still wear this shirt tomorrow. Oh, so, yeah. the, so the surgeon had Novocaine. Wow. Okay. I mean, fortunately, like with your like inner organs, Ooh. you don't have a lot of nerve endings like how you do like if you like cut your hand or finger or your leg or whatever. Mm. 
So um, there's a picture of him doing it too. Yeah. The, oh, I, wonderful. I, yeah, I love. It. <laughs> it's yeah. black and white. Yeah, it's a it's a fascinating story. I remember reading about it, and I really like the self surgery uh, part as well, just because the guy who was initially going to do it, like you could tell how scared he was because he's like, fuck, if he can't do it, like I'm, I'm up to bat. Like, yeah, like I got, I got, I like, I, I am, I have the life in my hands right now. And he obviously like, I have, have. it was, <laughs> I am a hundred percent on board with that. Cause I would have shit my pants. If somebody told me, can you sir, take this? Out? Actually, you know what? If it was just a bullet, I'd probably be into it. Um, into you it. would be into yeah. it. <laughs> I've cut enough things out of my own body <laughs> from minor injuries at home because I refuse to go to the doctor. Yeah. Where I'm like, okay, this would be interesting, uh, but I don't know. I this don't could know. be interesting. And you also have to remember too that hand washing and uh, yeah, basic sanitary. sanitation was not a thing until like 1850, and this was uh, in 1785. And so even if it was a thing. They're on a ship in yeah. the middle of fucking nowhere. So well, they hand have, sanitizer stations hanging they have, around. Well, they, they don't have, have any Purell pl- anywhere. Yeah, but they have plenty of booze, so they probably would use that. Extra ration of grog for the lot of you. Hey, <laughs> huzzah! I love, say huzzah a lot. I love the huzzahing, yeah. yeah. I think we should have more huzzahs. Huzzah yeah. for Lucky Jack! Huzzah! <laughs> right in the middle of fucking battle. The, um, you don't even stop. They're just like, huzzah for Lucky Jack! Huzzah! Yeah, then people are Keep dying slicing, next to them. Yeah. The, uh, the guy who plays, I don't know what role he has on the ship, but the guy at the end, he says, you command this ship and take it back wherever, right? Mm-hmm. When they have both the ships. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That actor plays like a captain in Dunkirk. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James Darcy, right? Yeah, James Darcy. Um, Mr. Darcy. <laughs> um, and the what I thought was really interesting um the not it's not really a twist or anything but like when they actually they take over the french ship and they get to the you know the the doctors and like and then it's revealed later that oh shit that was the captain yeah yeah Yeah. that was a that was a good play on that friend that i was like the movie's over though until next time yeah (laughs) on dragon ball z it's (laughs) that was that was a really good uh play that that french captain very good made very french of him i know (laughs) you wanted me to give you this this is a sword yeah (laughs) (laughs) cool awesome um um good russell crowe learned to play violin for this movie Uh, although that's what i was wondering although he couldn't uh he couldn't bother himself to do the hammer-ons during that part, the whoa, yeah, the because there was a lot of that in the song they were playing, and you could definitely tell yeah, you could tell you moving, yeah, you yeah. could tell you yeah, it's the best sound mixing, yeah. yeah. I mean, I could tell won that, the Oscar, I could tell that he <laughs> learned how to play violin though. Yeah, it looked it looked good, it looked legit. Yeah, yeah. I can't play violin. Uh, no. I can't either. He said it was the hardest thing they had to do. He played it like he played it like a guitar too. Yeah, oh, before the lessons. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, then, and then Paul Bettany turns his cello and goes, cello, now it's a bass. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and uh, then he is the master and commander of the far side of the world. <laughs> master and commander of those two books. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's, uh, let's give us some grades. What do you got, Joseph? Um, this is a solid A. Solid A movie. Like pretty entertaining, like way more entertaining than I thought it was gonna be. Um, the historical ac- ac- the historical accuracy adds to it, um, 
and there was some really cool scenes like when they finally get on land it's like i had never i felt like this movie was going to be completely on sea yeah mm-hmm. um but when they get to land you know, it's a nice it's a nice change up it kind of turns into a little bit of a different movie when you see paul bending go on his little adventure mm, yeah with discovering the island you know it, it's like he's got that big backpack full of those little cages on mm-hmm. um and he's taking the uh the other little kid with him yeah you know it, it, it'd be hella funny if this movie kind of was like an altered history like a quentin tarantino type movie <laughs> where it's like oh what's your name darwin sir Charles Darwin. <laughs> and it's like, wow, I didn't know Darwin yeah. was that badass. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, it was a really, really entertaining movie. Um, and I, yeah, I totally watch it again. Perfect Sunday afternoon movie. Yeah, it's a like good a TNT. It's a good actual TNT Sunday afternoon movie. Absolutely. Couldn't have described it any better. Beautiful. Uh, Tyler, what's your grade? Um, I'm going to give it a solid A as well. Uh, there's a lot of rewatchability. Uh, definitely like what Joseph said, the historical accuracy, uh, as far as I'm aware of, is really neat. And, um, you know, uh, I wanted to mention this in our discussion, but uh, I, it was a fleeting thought. Uh, the movie Silence kind of was reminiscent in this movie um, as far as like the history mm-hmm. and uh, the going abouts of, uh, you know, uh, like native people um, of South America. Um, although brief, um, I just, that movie popped up in my head mm. and I was thinking about watching Silence again. Uh, that brutal movie, um, <laughs> more brutal than Master and Commander, obviously, but yeah. Um, Solid A. I I really like this movie. Definitely a Sunday afternoon uh, uh, movie. Yeah, great, great. Uh, I'm also gonna give it an A. I was it was almost like in the A plus range because I I really did enjoy myself quite a bit. Yeah. I think that pulling the punches of some of the brutal deaths from like a cannonball shot to the abdomen. Oh yeah. It's like that. Is something explode a person? Yeah, yeah. I want to see some blood mist, yeah, or something. And then the they pulled a little bit of punches with the self surgery scene. That could have been something just uh, way more unbelievable uh, and like that much more visceral. And it worked f- well enough. And that's just yeah. my personal thing. Sure, you know, PG thirteen gives it a broader audience. It lets the younger audience be able to see it without this huge barrier to entry. And that you could just say you could sit down and watch this with your dad. And I'm going to label this a certified dad movie. Mm. This is exactly what I'm going to watch next time my dad comes over. And I don't know if he's ever seen it before, but I guarantee he's going to love it. Oh, I'm sure. So A for me, A's across the board. Uh, Now let's get into the wheel. One wheel, eight slots, three hosts. This is the Wheel of Destiny. All right, and uh, actually, before we spin the wheel, I wanted to, we have one more additional voicemail that I didn't get to earlier in the show. Oh. And uh, this is from John from the PVD podcast, the PVD cast, uh, who had some nice things to say about the show, so I'm going to play it right here. Hey there, this is John from the PVD cast, uh, the podcast out in Columbus, Ohio. I just want to let you guys know that you guys have been killing it on your episodes. I mean, I've listened to a whole handful of them over the last, you know, well, ever since I had Pete on, and you guys are killing it. Just wanted to let you know that. Uh, man, Miami Connection, thank you for I- introducing me to that film because that was awesome. 
Uh, keep up the good work, guys. And I would not be mad if I happen to listen and hear that on the Wheel of Destiny, the Brotherhood of uh, the Brotherhood of Death showed up on there. But anyways, keep on doing what you're doing, guys. Take care. Bye bye. Brotherhood of Death. He uh, that was was a, a listener pick. Oh, okay. from, Wait, is he adding? No, you are, we already have it on there. We do. Yeah, should be on there. Very near mm-hmm. the end. It was pretty recent. Brotherhood of Death by John Orlando. Thank you, John. Well, that oh, was, it is on there. That was yeah. super nice message. Yeah. I appreciate that. You know what? All you other listeners could learn a thing or two. <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. That was great, man. So, okay, let's uh, let's uh, give a recap of the wheel. We have um, not Brotherhood of Death, but we have Brother, Brotherhood of the Wolf from Brother, Joseph. Brotherhood. Brotherhood. Uh, Predator, the original from Tyler. Freaks from Pete. Safe from Tyler. Terminator 2, Judgment Day from Pete. A fan pick. And a hidden life from Joseph. Mm. So we're going to give this a good old spin. And this will be what we watch next week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, a hidden life. Wow. A hidden life. All right. On and off the wheel pretty quickly. Wow, that was fast. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. What is this about, Joseph? A hidden life. Okay. Let me pull it up here real quick. Terrence Malick. Oh, yeah. Movie. So it's bound to have great cinematography. Nine hours long. Um, Two hours and 54 minutes long. So one third of that. I'm going to have to wake up so early to watch this movie. Next Saturday. Okay. So basically, it's an Austrian. It takes place in Austria. um, And it stars August Diehl, who was, you might recognize him as the German officer in the underground bar scene in Inglorious Bastards that Michael oh. Fassbender talks to. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, he's pretty much the... Oh, and Matthias Schoenarts, which you might have seen in other movies. Yeah, I know that name. Um, but basically, this movie is, as as IMDb describes it, um, based on real events, A Hidden Life is the story of an unsung hero, um, B.L. Franz uh, Jager's daughter, something like that, <laughs> who refused to fight for the Nazis in World War II when the Austrian peasant farmer is faced with the threat of execution for treason. It is unwavering faith in his love for his wife. It's basically in love for his family that keeps his spirit alive. Um, and it is a drama. Um, and um, it's directed by Terrence Malick, who did Tree of Life. And one, wrote it, too. One of my favorite movies. Sounds like another come and see movie. Um, it might be. Guess we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I'm super excited about this movie. I just mainly because of like, like I like Terrence Malick because of his production. Yeah. Productions that he has. I mean, his movies are kind of, I want to say polarizing just because they're so interpretive and people are like, oh, those movies, his movies are about nothing. There's nothing, there's like nothing to them. And, Cause it, it's, I feel like the tree of life is everything. Yeah, it encompasses literally everything. Yeah, from beginning to end. Um, yeah, I am a big fan of him. Um, it's not streaming anywhere. No, it is not. Four dollar rental. Uh, yeah, cool, exciting. Um, all right. So until next time, thank you so much for joining in as we reviewed Master and Commander: Far Side of the World from listener Dallas. If you want your movie picked, uh, send us an email: mcfcpodcast at gmail dot com. Or send it and follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash MCFC podcast. And follow us on Twitter at podcast MCFC and on TikTok at middle class film class. And please follow us on Instagram at middle class film class and leave us a voicemail. Why don't you at two zero nine seven three zero six zero one zero. 
And if you didn't listen to our Gab and Chatter episode earlier in the week, if you're just a review listener, give it a listen. It's a good time with Jason from Binge Movies. And we'll see you next time. See ya. See ya. Give it all you got for Lucky Jack Boys. Hey there, it's John Orlando from the PVD Cast podcast. Join me each week as I chat with a guest and tackle important pop culture topics. You can find the show at pvdcast.com or through your favorite podcasting outlet.